1: Hello and welcome to the PHNX D backs podcast, right here on PHNX. My name is Derek montia of course, officially known as your mayor of PHNX. And this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use our code of PHNX, and simply for betting $1 on any NFL team to score, you'll get $100 in free bets should they do. That thing of the scoring thing. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us. Of course, I am joined by my vice mayor, my co-host, my friend, Thunderstick, Jesse
0: Friedman. It's not just me today, Derek. We have it another, another not, friend with us here today. It is
1: not. It, another. And when you say friend, I couldn't mean this more. Uh, one of my personal friends, one of my favorite people to uh, take slow walks around Chase Field with and chat about life. <laughs> it's the one and only Jack Summers from AZ Snake Pit. Jack, what's happening, buddy?
2: hey great to see you guys uh, yeah, great. wish we could right? get back out there and do some walking again soon
1: i know i can't wait i can't wait and as far as this lockout is concerned things suck and i can't wait for baseball to get rolling again so that we can get back out there walking and doing our thing but uh baseball minor league transactions are still happening despite the rule five draft being pushed off there was some talk that it might not even happen this year but it, it's been confirmed that it will happen as soon as the lockout ends so we will still have a major league rule five draft but today we had the minor league rule five draft and the arizona diamondbacks did not get any picks in that rule five draft because as jesse explained to me their triple a roster is at capacity
0: There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's a little, I know it's confusing for people. Everyone probably had it in their head. You know, the rule five draft is off because of the lockout. But yeah, this was not the major league rule five draft. As you mentioned, this was the minor league rule five draft. And the Diamondbacks would have had the second pick in this draft. Um, But like you said, their AAA roster was full. And so they didn't have any anywhere to to put anyone. But they did have three players that were taken uh, from them in the process, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, Andrew Young, which of course is kind of the headliner name here, a name Diamondbacks fans are certainly familiar with, uh, along with Matt Brill, uh, a pitcher from AA, and Ben Deluzio, uh, who's an outfielder who's been in the organization for quite a while. So uh, three players gone. They didn't bring anyone in. Uh, not, together, not altogether very surprising, though, considering uh, their roster was full coming into today.
1: So the way the Rule 5 draft for the minor leagues work is that the draft goes on until all teams are satisfied as far as their, uh, is it, what? what is it? Is it a 25-man roster for the minor league team? What's the AAA roster set to?
0: I believe it's 38. Is that right,
1: Jack?
2: I believe so, yeah. I'm not sure of that number. Okay. Yeah, 38, but,
0: I believe, is the is the magic number. I don't know where that comes from. It's such a random, arbitrary yeah, number, but right. 38 is the number that I've seen today.
1: Like so many things in baseball, Jesse, it's a random, arbitrary number. But <laughs> uh, the Miami Marlins actually went five full rounds, taking five players. The only team to take five players in the Rule 5 minor league draft. And yes, you're right about the uh, players the Diamondbacks lost. These were uh, players that they had no... Way to hold on to, and we pretty much knew that Andrew Young was going to uh, be be taken away. I think in this in this draft.
2: Yeah, I think it's a little tough, you know, for the D backs to have to lose him this way um, in some yeah. some regards because you know he came over in the Paul Goldschmidt trade, of course, and uh, he showed a lot of promise with his power in the minors. Um, unfortunately, you know, in his two stints in the majors, uh, he had two glaring issues that kept him from establishing himself. He couldn't really um, establish himself defensively. He wasn't really very competent in any defensive position that they put him in, and he was striking out too much. He's got a lot of power, though, and um, if the DH comes into effect
1: next year, it's not a bad right-handed hitter to have stashed on your AAA roster. There you go. There you go. Another notable D-backs player, or player connected to the D-backs at one point, (laughs) uh, is John Duplantier, who was taken – Wait, didn't
0: we we just talk about him two days ago, We just talked about him, yeah. Isn't he a giant
1: now? Isn't he on the Giants? (laughs) No, he is now a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Jesse. Uh, Uh, Life life comes at you fast you're a
0: former d prospect, right? Things things move quickly.
1: (laughs) Next week, he's going to be playing for the Colorado Rockies, and by the time the season comes around, he'll be a San Diego Padre, it feels like. But, uh, yeah, John Duplantier is on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as Jack said before we got on air, uh, uh, there's there's another guy that will probably be biting our pillow about, especially now that he's part of a quality organization like the Dodgers, who absolutely convert guys into a, uh, you know, major league stars. They, they do this all the time where they pick up players that have kind of been discarded from other teams. And it would be no surprise uh, with his promise and his ceiling that there once was for Duplantier that the Dodgers do that with him.
2: It's bad enough it, that he was ended up in the division in the first place, but to end up on the top right, insult right. to injury.
0: I know it really. I don't, I'm curious what you have to say about DuPontier Jack and just his, his career as a Diamondback. It feels like obviously there's a history of injuries with Rice University, it just seems like pitchers there have, have had issues. Um, you know, over the last, over the last, uh, there's a pretty decent track record there as far as I can tell. Um, but yeah, he just never was really able to put things together at the big league level. There were stints here and there where he kind of looked like, you know, the top prospect that was at one point, you know, a big, a potential, potential trade piece for the team when they were going after Manny Machado and looking at doing other things as well. Um, but now, you know, diamondbacks fans yet again, we've been in this position a number of times where a pitching prospect just doesn't pan out for, for one reason or another, What's your take, Jack, on what you've seen Duplantier do or not do over these last few years?
2: Well, you know, when he was in the Arizona Fall League, I was pretty impressed in 18. I, I got to see him pitch a number of times. His stuff looked great. You know, he was dominating. He was blowing guys away at the top of the zone with his fastball, locating his curveball. I mean, you know, he just he looked really good. And I was excited when he got called up. But like you mentioned, the the injury bug, number one, um, first and foremost, was just following him around from his years at Rice. And uh, it seemed like almost an inevitability. And then really in 2019, I, I hate to be hypercritical, but I, I've written about this before. I think the team completely mishandled him as well. Yeah, um, I mean, you already know you have a guy that, has these these issues, and yet they yanked him up and down five different times in the 2019 season, in and out of between rotation spot and bullpen role, um, you know, and never let him get a proper innings buildup up in a me- methodical you know uh, methodical way. Yeah, yeah. And so
1: I, I I just think that it was it was horrible the way he was mishandled. And in Jack
2: 2019.
1: I told Jack about the story I told on the show the other day about Duplantier just being uh, on, the, on the street corner out, right. <laughs> outside of Chase Field with his bags. And just, I don't know. I, I Again, it might have been a miscommunication. There might have been a lot of different things going on there. But I think when you paired it with how much he was called up and sent down that season, it was just, I mean, that photo fo- a photo of him standing there could have been a representation of his time with the D-backs, just standing on the corner outside of Chase Field yet again with his bag ready to go down just so he could come back up mm-hmm. eventually a few weeks later or even a few days later in some cases. Definitely. I agree with that. And, uh, Jack, I, I, I really we really need to get into um, your history, obviously, <laughs> here, because I know you're a writer, obviously, for AZ Snake Pit and uh, a, a dear, dear friend of mine. But uh, I wanted to talk about your history with this team and your history with baseball. I, I mean, I, I'm aware of it, but I wanted to kind of get let everybody else in on kind of your time with this team. Um, well, it really, I was living overseas for a long time, big
2: chunk of my 20s and 30s um, uh, from 1979 through 2000. Just had always been a baseball fan, had always been into uh, baseball analytics really since I was a kid playing Stratomatic baseball. Um, I <laughs> learned how lineups worked and, probability and all of that um it's a great simulation game when i was a kid played with cards and dice yeah and i simulated an entire season based off the 1971 season
1: when i was like 12 (laughs) 13 years old wow
2: um and kept all the stats and
0: uh i learned i thought i was a i thought i was a nerd as a kid jack i was gonna say i am in
1: i'm in a room with some savants at a young age when it comes to this game
2: well, it's funny. I was still playing the game at that point in my life. I played through junior high and high school and, and all of that. And uh, so I would come home from practice or the games and then run up to my room before dinner and, you know, play a couple of games real quick and keep the stats and keep the score, you know, and just start figuring well, you, everything out. So you really yeah. have
1: to love baseball to live your life like that. I mean, oh, well, I'm I was sure born there's... in Cooperstown, dude. Yeah, there you go my god you're like the jesus christ of baseball or something like was it immaculate conception as well no i mean this. i've because... actually had
2: to bring my birth certificate to the bar a couple of times to prove it because when i've said it. that people are like yeah right
1: yeah right oh man that makes too much sense because it's in your blood you know like i'm sure there's some kids now that come home and uh you know Play fantasy baseball, or hop on their PlayStation and play MLB the Show after coming home from baseball practice or whatever, and just right. live that life from sun up to sundown. But uh, I don't know. I I guess I mean I think about me. I was I was always a basketball kid myself when I was younger, so I, I did do that with basketball. I mean, I remember going out during a, a halftime of Suns games and playing a quick, you know, fake game in my driveway before running back in and catching the second half. So as much as that sounds amazing, I guess we all kind of had that thing that we loved so much that, you know, couldn't get enough of it.
2: Yeah, basically. I mean, it was tough to follow all those years living overseas again, Stratomatic sure. Baseball. I used to buy it every year, right up until yeah, my 20s. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then when I, when I finally repatriated back to the United States in 2000, um not long after I got involved in some message boards um I don't know if you remember the uh, Diamondbacksbullpen.org. Uh um, oh, yeah, yeah yeah that yeah. prior to that actually we used to <laughs> chat on AZ Central.
1: Okay. And then Just AZ the Central like shut
2: down commenting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh so uh Jim McLennan who runs uh, AZ Snake pit at the time helped us set up uh a, a message board. And through that message board I started meeting a lot of people online and blogging and writing and putting in my analysis, all the things that I had learned over the years um, from reading Bill James and just watching the game and following it like a nut. And in 2005, a um, fellow that um, runs the Diamondbacks uh, broadcast from the stage, the stage producer, the stage manager, a guy named Scott Snyder, who's also a dear friend, um, he reached out and invited a bunch of us to the ballpark one time because he'd been following our threads. He'd been following our game threads and the things that we said and wrote, and he thought it was a lot of fun and interesting. So we we, like a dozen of us ended up getting invited up to a conference room and a guy that did analytics at the time um, for the Diamondbacks named Jim Cassandro. Um, He came in and talked to us first. And then uh, Mike Rizzo, who was director of scouting at the time, Mm. um, he didn't get the GM job. Josh Burns did. So Mike went and, took the assistant manager, uh, general manager job at, uh, in Washington. Of course, the rest is history there. Um, but Mike was a, a big favorite of us, you know, because the Diamondbacks had so many prospects at the time. They had an elite list of uh, players ranked in Baseball America's top 100. And, uh, you know, just through all of that, we, we made contact. And the next thing I know, in 2006, uh, Scott invited me to the booth. To help do stats and scorekeeping for the on-air talent, because he would seen what I was writing and the things I was putting in the game threads, and he just thought I'd be good at it. The the fellow that usually does the stats, Kurt Zacher, um, you know, he'd needed time off once in a while, um, and also later on, he ended up working down in the broadcast uh, truck for for about a year while somebody, a woman, was on maternity leave, so they needed somebody in the booth to do it. And through 2006 and 2007, I did that part time Hmm. and uh, had a blast doing it, you know, working with uh, Grace and Sutton and um, sometimes with Joe Garagiola. And, uh, you know, it was really a blast. And a big part of what I did was write uh, pregame scouting reports and um, information for the for the broadcasters to be able to use during the broadcast beyond just head to head stats or whatever, you know, the basic stuff. Those reports started getting circulated and became popular, and eventually ended up in Josh Burns's hands. And Josh Burns offered me a position as an analyst in their front office, um, doing stats for for that. You know, and uh, next thing I know, in 2008, I'm actually working for the Diamondbacks as an analyst. So that's wow. kind of how I got into it. Um, You're like I did that, it for two years. that's it was like a blast. A- had a wonderful uh, a, time, a,
1: a stat nerd's dream, as far yeah, as yeah, that like, that's incredible. A major league incredible. baseball stat nerd, and I mean, I don't know. I think we all did that. I, I think, I think sometimes uh, of my time on message boards about sports and pro wrestling, and the fact that I'm here doing this stuff now is crazy to me. But you, you got to work for the team, doing it and providing your insight to them based on the fact that you were doing such good analytics work on your own. And I, I, I just think that's incredible. I really do. I think it's incredible that they noticed it, uh, you know, and, and acknowledged it without having, I guess your typical, you know, qualms about reaching out to someone who might not be working in baseball or, you know, like, some teams would require that you actually had experience in baseball to bring you on in some sort of role like that. And I, I find it to be fascinating that they didn't need that, that they just, uh, you know, enjoyed your work and thought it was good enough that they wanted it to be part of their team. And that's fa- That's fascinating to me. Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm forever grateful for, to both uh, Derek Hall and to, to Josh Burns for giving me that opportunity. And of course, Scott, the, my friend that got me going in the first place. So, you know, it's been, it's been a fun ride. Um, I left in 2010 to go back to Asia, um, take another job in the shoe business cause the money was too good to pass up and the, uh, financial crisis and the real estate crash gave me a hit. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I went back over and fed the kitty for another six years and I came back in 16. And then when, by the time I came back, um, you know, the regime had changed and, uh, a lot of things had kind of almost passed me by um you know what they need now is different than what my skill set is really mm. and uh so I just i'm not so sure about that, by doing the writing and that's
1: i've you know, i've read i've to... read your stuff i've seen your stuff and i've seen and had conversations with you i'm not so sure about that i don't i don't know if the game like <laughs> it, I, I compare it kind of to Brent Strom where i think you have a lot of experience but you have always been a person that's embraced analytics, embraced the numbers behind it, and saw uh, the importance in translating it over to, you know, baseball players for their success, right? But also, like Strom has said, there's a, there, there's a way to translate it. And that's kind of someone like his job is to take this information and make it more palatable for, uh, you know, a baseball player to take in rather than it being this daunting you know, information and series of numbers. But before we go on, I just want to remind everybody that they can use whatever analytics and numbers they want to, to use to go on to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use our code of PHNX, most importantly, and you will get $100 in free bets should you bet $1 on any team to score and have them do that thing. Uh, you'll be a winner once any point is scored in that game new customers who bet just one dollar and any team to score can win that 100 in free bets it's that simple DraftKings sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with the new same game parlays of course i am mr parlay uh i will acknowledge as i have many times in the past that's not as good as big papa parlay but i'm still working on a new nickname uh i hit my parlay this weekend and i won't stop talking about that despite the fact that i was on the bet show uh and i said very stupid things that made me look dumb uh, my bets did not uh, come through for me. And apparently Johnny Venerable, who is shrinking, by the way, every single day, he's going to be a tiny uh, disappearing man soon enough. And he's shrinking
0: so, every day?
1: Yeah, Shane is, <laughs> Shane told me that Johnny is shrinking just a little bit every day. So watch wow. out for that. Uh, soon he'll fit into his own hat. But uh, he, he had some unkind things to say about me and deservedly so because not, not a single one of my bets hit this week and I was humbled, but my bets in real life hit and that's what's important. And that's, what's important for you. You can talk about the bets with your friends, all you want, but as long as the ones that actually hit hit that you actually put money on hit, uh, that's all that matters. So combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout, the more legs you add, the more money you win. And I have a, uh, cowards parlay for you in just a little bit that I'm going to give to you guys, uh, for the Thursday night football game. But remember, draft, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit withdraw your cash whenever you want. And that code, again, was PHNX for betting $1 on any team to score and winning $100 in free bets instantly if they score. Uh, 21 and over only. Arizona only. Gambling problem. Dial 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Uh, getting back to Jack Summers and his incredible experiences in baseball and beyond now uh you worked uh in shoes right that's what you were doing overseas both was that originally and on the most recent trip over where you were just referring to
2: uh yes when I uh when I first went to Asia in 79 I went to Taiwan and I was teaching English and just kind of slumming around I took a break from school and then I ended up uh getting into the shoe business meeting my wife starting a family and staying there um, and, uh, so after, you know, I started as a quality control inspector, just walking up and down the stitching lines and checking the upper stitching and making sure everything was so, as best as I could tell, and then made a career out of that. And, um, when I first came back to the States, finally in 2000, after 20, you know, 21 years of being over there, I'd been in Taiwan and Hong Kong. I'd been traveling in mainland China from 1985 onwards. I'd learned how to speak Mandarin Chinese throughout all of that. And um, then when I went back in 2010, I actually went and lived in China full time. Prior to that, I was living in Taiwan or Hong Kong and traveling in and out of China periodically. But in 2010, I actually lived in China full time for about six years. Um, and, you know, be, uh, and that was also in the shoe business. So that's
1: that's that's kind of the background on that that end of it and that's how you became the shoe wizard obviously exactly uh, yeah i'm not we're... humble about my accomplishments no right? no not at all <laughs> not at all just go right to the shoe wizard were these uh i'm just curious because i don't know if we ever talked about this were these like tennis shoes boots what were oh, really right. just every a... kind
2: of shoes you can okay. imagine i mean i've, okay. I've been work. i've worked for different companies some of the companies i worked for were trading companies that had different divisions for men's for women's for outdoor okay for athletic um I worked for rockport um and did those kinds of shoes i worked for new balance and ran their opera the last uh four years i was over there i ran new balances operations in china That's um, so it's all it's all manufacturing sourcing product development pricing quality control overseeing all that part
1: of it well nothing obviously... to do with sales or marketing okay got it well i was gonna say obviously you, you fell in love uh, over there, uh, meeting, meeting your wife, but, uh, did you, wh- when you were there, did you kind of fall in love with China while you were there living there? And I mean, is that, is that what made you stay so long or was it just, uh, um, well, get, you know, breaking into I, work I, guess
2: I had that experience in Taiwan.
1: I mean, um, I really
2: fell in love with Taiwan and the people there, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the whole culture and atmosphere. Of course I was very young, you know, I was in my early twenties and so sure. adventurous and exciting. Um, But, you know, the people there are just so friendly and outgoing, warm and and, uh, you know, fun to be with and love to party. And, (laughs) you know, so it was it was that was that part of it was great. China was different because when I first started traveling in China, it's the early middle 80s and they had just opened up. And I mean, you know, half the people were still walking around in Mao suits and they hadn't really, you know, become what China is today yet. So that part of my China experience was a little bit different. They were, they were a little bit more innocent, really. They were just kind of opening up to the world. Yeah. Um, By the time I went back in 2010, you know, it it had just exploded into what you see today already. And it had become very materialistic, uh, you know, which it wasn't that way when I first started going there in the eighties and early nineties. And, um, they they kind of lost their soul a little bit along the way, in my opinion, as as, as the way the governments run things over there. I don't want to get political, but, you know, it's just really become quite a different experience. So it's hard to say I fell in love with China, but the people always wonderful. I mean, you know, the the people in both China and Taiwan just always treated me really well. And I had a lot of fun with them and learned a lot over the years. And, you know, felt like I was able to contribute in both societies too, as well. I mean, the, the yeah. work that we did employed a lot of people and
1: all that. All right, All right. Well, and and I guess the reason why I ask is I just I, I I am so terrified sometimes, despite all of my travels, to think about going somewhere and like, you know setting uh, roots elsewhere you know like i've lived in arizona the majority of my life i've i've had my share of adventures i've gone elsewhere but i i guess i always kind of find it fac- fascinating when someone leaves you know and and goes to another country and decides uh that that that's where they're going to live we all have free will right over our own actions it just seems like such an odd thing at times but uh, I also understand it because places I go, I fall in love so easily. Uh, sometimes it's not even big international cities. Sometimes I just go somewhere right here in Arizona, uh, you know, like Williams or uh, you know one of those kind of smaller towns, and and I, I instantly think like I, I I want to live here for the rest of my life. This is what I want my life you, to be. Are you, you leaving know?
0: us for Williams? No, I'm definitely not. Never. No,
1: never. <laughs> not doing that. But. Um, <laughs> I do. Uh, this has been bothering me. This has been I I have lost sleep over this. This is uh, living in my head rent free. It's like what I, it's like. It's like the end of the movie Lost in Translation, where we don't know what Bob whispered to Charlotte. And I, I need to know this, Jack. What was your conversation with Tori Lovallo's daughter about? I'm sure it was innocent. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure it was just nice passing conversation. But. <laughs> We, we played it on this show. Uh, we talked about it because I, I thought personally that it was uh, just a, a small peek into our relationship with Tori, right? I think as people in the media, we definitely have a relationship with Tori. And I think Tori is an absolutely outstanding individual to cover and interview yes. and interact with, right? I remember not too recently, uh, you you had said something to him before you asked a question, basically saying like i hope not to offend you with this question and i and i think before he answered he stopped and said he didn't ever want you to say that again because he knows you're never going to be offend you know you're you're never meaning to offend him or anything like that but i when when i heard you say that i so feel the same way because tory at times does feel almost like you know a friend or like a coworker at times in this job that we do covering this team he's so personable. He's so easygoing. He's so easy to talk to. Uh, But more than anything, I feel like he really does uh, talk to us in, in a very friendly, you know, like I said, like a coworker type way. Right. And I, I felt like the best example of that was when you he asked you to speak to his daughter because he was vacationing with his family <laughs> in france and he just he got so excited to get you to talk to his daughter he was like a little kid uh he was like no hold on well, jack i need you to talk to my daughter i need you to say something in chinese and i just i loved that clip so much because again it just it's so it's it's such a great and then
2: encapsulates what he's like. I mean, yeah, he's so right. human, and he shows interest in other people, and he's got such a intellectual curiosity about all things. So, I mean, that Definitely.
1: you're
2: you're hitting the nail on the head Of what what he's like as a guy. Well, he and, it's, I had, and some um, people don't let us in like that, right?
1: And, I was going to say some people don't let us into their personal lives like like he does in this yeah. instance.
2: Well, he and I had chatted a couple times. I told him a little bit about my background, and I you know, and it came up that I spoke Chinese and. Um, his daughter had studied and, and, uh, and, and studied overseas. She, she speaks Chinese wonderfully. Incredibly.
1: So, so well. Um, yeah. All, not Ola, not you that know, he we would know. I said, they're, how are you enjoying Paris? Are like, you having fun?
2: That was, that was the main point of it. I said, you know, is Paris a lot of fun? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's really a lot of fun. And, <laughs> you know, and then, um, you know, I just introduced myself by my Chinese name and she introduced herself by her Chinese name and uh you know it's just uh, we complimented each other on our mandarin and yeah. it was very brief but yeah
1: you well you guys you guys both speak well you, like jesse said obviously <laughs> i have no clue <laughs> i have no clue if you guys are pronouncing words right i have no you guys, clue you
0: guys could have been making up crap yeah Jack. we wouldn't have had any idea you would have been so. like it's
1: beautiful it was beautiful <laughs> their pronunciation is so beautiful but it was uh it was a great moment i love i love stuff like that and uh yeah, it was. I, I knew it was going to be just pleasantries, but I just had to ask. Uh, and, and I'm sorry for prying too much, but I needed to no, know. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, so get, getting, getting into uh, this Arizona Diamondbacks team, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, what they did during the season with their coaches and the few players that they picked up. Uh, do, you, do you think that this actually has a chance over uh, to translating into success on the field next season? Um
2: I I think that uh above and beyond any expected improvement simply due to you know positive regression to the mean I don't know if that's appropriate Jesse you can tell me if I can even say it like that
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yes you can that, that's fine that's fine yeah
2: Um but you know we know they're going to probably going to win more games just by getting out of bed right yeah. you know yeah, but Yeah exactly uh the, the coaching staff hires appear excellent. I think, you know, uniformly throughout the industry, everybody feels like they did a good job there. I'm on that same song sheet. Um, you know, I'm very impressed by the hires. I think that they found, you know, obviously an excellent pitching coach in uh, Brent Strom. I think that Jeff Bannister's really going to compliment Tori a lot for what he needs yep. um, as his bench coach. Uh, I don't know a lot about Joe Mather. Um, you know, but it seems like a pretty solid hire and, and I like the way he interviewed and he seems like a highly intelligent guy, but um and you know, he's acutely aware of the need to translate concepts to players as players. So um I think all of that's that's gonna gonna play well. Of course, get they got the best coach in the business back uh in Dave McKay, which is like making a new hire because they didn't have him last year. So all the way around, I think that the coaching staff's gonna be very strong as far as Uh, The player moves. I mean, they did they did two major things. They got Jordan Luplow, of course. Um, And, uh, you know, he's a right handed bat. He's got some power. He takes some walks. He can play a few corner positions. Um, He's not overly expensive. And uh, I don't expect him to move the needle much, but they needed some right handed power. Um, And uh, I don't know what's going to happen and how that's going to impact Christian Walker that remains to be seen, even though they tended him a contract, whether or not he's going to be on the opening day roster is still a question mark in my my mind, whether they trade him or find some trade value in him, or they still decide to release him at the end of spring training, which they could, um, you know, uh, and only have to pay a quarter, a quarter of his salary um, if they release him before the season starts. Uh, So, you know, whether or not they need both Walker and Luplow is, is, uh, is, is questionable. The Mark Melanson deal is the one that's interesting here. And, um, you know, I think that when I first heard the news, I had a typical reaction of, you know, many like armchair quarterbacks that just, oh man, he signed another 37 year old closer and closer, yeah, huh? Right, right. right. <laughs> for a team that you didn't know,
1: have many closing opportunities. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I, what's the point here? You know, why? Yeah. For a team that's not going to need a closer, that was my initial reaction, um, even so much as like, you know, on one of the snake pit threads, uh, somebody, you know, said, oh, you know, Hazen signed another uh, old Band-Aid closer. And I pulled up the uh, uh, gif of uh, Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown, Yeah, you know, to <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. simulate Mike Hazen's struggles with his closer choices over the last five years. But something kind of important. I, I, I wasn't there when Mike did his Zoom, um, but I went back and listened to it on MLB press box and and listen to it really carefully and transcribe the whole thing. And this, if if I, can I read this quote, please? Yeah. Yeah, please do. So this was the part that really stuck with me. Part of when you're talking about rebuilding for an extended period of time with a young roster is how do you teach the young roster how to win? You teach the young roster how to win by winning baseball games by being in situations where the pressure is on and we come through when it matters.
0: Sure.
2: I don't think you can just snap your fingers and have that happen. I don't think you can build a really good team in one offseason. So look at the multi-year nature of this as a reflection of where we're hoping to move to, not just now. Mm. And I, I, I emphasize some words there, you know, a little bit more than Mike did. Yeah. Um, But I think he's being really honest here. You know, I think he's not just giving you GM speak and you got to really look at what he said. You know, this isn't a one year deal. Um, These guys got to learn over a period of years how to win baseball games, how to play in pressure, how to execute in tight situations. And, you know, having a closer that can come in and and actually do the job um, is certainly going to help them learn how to do that, even if again, it's not just about where, where, where they are now. It's where they're trying to get to, you know, by the time this team is in a ready to compete for the playoffs window, Mark melanson is going to be gone. Sure. But the fact that he's able to help them win some close games, potentially um, is going to help the younger players on this team, figure out how to get it done later on down the line when it really matters. I, I think that's his thought process. And then the other part of it, you know, it, Mark, Mark's not Mark Melanson's not a rehab project. He's not coming off injury. He's coming off a couple of two, three really good years. So although yeah. he's 37, he's been very solid. Whereas, you know, the previous four or five closes they brought in all were coming off down years or injury years and so forth. So there's that aspect to consider. And then finally, you know, he's only making six million dollars a year. Not
0: that much. Yeah. And,
2: you know, you're not going to get anything that's really going to move the needle for the team as far as a starting pitcher for $6 million, unless you get really lucky, right? Um, and you're not going to move the needle with a position player and they got to spend some money. So this is as good a place as any, and it's uh, achieving something hopefully that won't necessarily show in the balance sheet in 2022 as far as how many total wins they had or did they get to 500 or over 500, but more about getting the team – culture and the ability to learn how to win turned around that that's what so
0: i i'm i'm in i'm in on the deal do uh, you do you think jack i'm curious a lot of people look at this and say you know great they've got someone to trade come july when mark melanson probably has a good first few months and he'll probably be you'll probably draw some interest right from some contending teams out there that kind of almost seems to contradict what you're saying about you know, teaching the young players to win in that sense, what Mike said kind of makes it sound like he wants Mark Melanson here more for a cultural reason than for anything else. But it's a little hard for me to believe that come July, if Mark Melanson has a number of suitors that the Diamondbacks wouldn't look to make a move there.
2: I, I think it's important to remember, you know, one thing about Mike Hazen is, um, you know, he wants to win. I mean, obviously he keeps trying to win. I think that. Um, sometimes they may have avoided reality a little bit by being a little stubborn about it. Um, you know, uh, it's a feature and, and, it's a bug. Right. Um, and I think in, you know, thinking about Mike's off stated thoughts and philosophy, I think that he intends to keep Melanson the whole year. Um, mm. But, you know, if they get to July and they're 20 games under 500 and uh, you know, the team's floundering, um, you know, obviously he'll do what he needs to do at that point and to try to build the team up further. But if they're, you know, five games under 500 and exceeding expectations, then I think he'll roll with it.
1: I think also, too, uh, just in regards to that, he's all he's cheap, so he's not like other free agents in the past where they kind of wanted to part ways with them due to their contract and they didn't, you know, what I mean, like. or or they were just worried someone else is going to take them at the end of the season. So they want to try to get something for them at the trade deadline. Uh, I I don't think that's going to be the case with Mark Melanson, but I also think the Diamondbacks, like we said about Cattell Marte and Carson Kelly aren't, aren't going to not listen to offers on anybody. So it's, it's always a strong possibility that if they're not doing well, they could part ways with anybody at the trade deadline with the way that this team is built and and, you know, as far as the direction they're going with with the youth movement and everything like that, they might be targeting farther than 2023 as as their deadline for being competitive, which isn't unrealistic, but it's something that fans don't want to hear, right? Fans don't want to know that yeah. their target for being competitive is over two years down the road, three years down the road. They, they want to at least believe that it's closer than that. And I understand why, you know. I I wrote an article about this a month ago. You know, um,
2: it's since basically divisional play in over 50 years, right? Um, There's been two teams that finished with a win percentage under 350 and had a 500 record or better the next year. Mm. And both happened in the 80s. The 1980 Oakland A's and the 1989 Baltimore Orioles nobody's done it since no team to finish sub 350 win percentage has even finished 500 since 1989 um, never say never right you know insert that um, there's still a chance meme right now but the odds are so stacked against this team even achieving 500 in 2022 um, and in the analysis that i did on that i mean with the exception of the astros um, who had were on their third straight season being that bad. And then two years later, they were competitive, um, you know, to the point of making the playoffs. But, you know, that's what it takes, right? You know, yeah. that time down to the studs tear down, um, you know, the the odds are pretty against this team even getting back to the playoffs by 2024. But, you know, they just, that's just how long it takes. This is a multi-year deal. Um, and you are breaking Precedent, you're breaking history if you do it any faster
1: than that. Well, let's let's do that. Let's break history. I don't want to wait that long. i'm in Jack, Never Jack say
0: never. Jack's bringing Jack the optimistic takes. You, I know. Hear that? you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? They're gonna be lucky to be in the playoffs by 2024. And Jack here Springer, I was, baby. here I was
1: drinking the Kool Aid about next season. But um <laughs> Jack, we thank you so much, man. We appreciate your time, uh, and definitely we're gonna have you back so we can chat some more baseball. Uh, talk about this lockout a little bit more next time and maybe we can get your thoughts on on uh, you know what what we might actually see implemented in this new cba but we'll definitely have you back on soon bud if you have time for us and we'd we appreciate it so much uh, you guys can follow Jack on Twitter at shoe wizard59 uh, and again he is a writer over at AzSnakepit.com. our friends over at snake pit so thank you jack we appreciate your time so much my friend
2: Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Jesse. Look forward to seeing you guys again soon. All right. I look forward to our Thank walks again. We
1: got to get walking around that stadium. Definitely. Man. All right, man. Uh, all right, Jesse. Well, uh, I want to remind everybody we have our, uh, my latest piece up at gophnx.com covering the collective bargaining agreement and how they could potentially see the Diamondbacks still get that number one draft pick, uh, or do the total Diamondbacks thing and end up, with the the third overall draft pick after all of a sudden my
0: my take on your article is that you know it was very insightful and yet also I feel like when like it just is so you because you're just so obsessed with the whole tank season the Elijah Green it's just so on brand for you Derek to come out with this with his hot take about how the Diamondbacks still have hope of getting the number one overall draft I'm
1: holding on to hope, Jesse. I'm holding (laughs) on to hope. I want Elijah Green. Uh, You know, uh, as a matter of fact, we had a comment today that Elijah Green is not the surefire number one overall draft pick, and I completely agree with that. I completely agree. I just think, for me personally, that he is a great fit for this team. And I want to see this team draft him. I want them, him to be their top overall draft pick. So that's my hope. My hope if the Arizona Diamondbacks do not end up with the number one draft pick that they, uh, that, that someone else doesn't draft him and that he goes second or third whenever the D-backs can. Uh, what, I, what I will say is the, the total D-backs thing I guess really would do would be to move down to third, have Elijah Green fall to them, and then still not draft him. That would be the, alliance. that would be the D-backs <laughs> thing to do to me personally. Um, but you guys can check out that article over at gophnx.com, become a member. You can get become an annual member. And for 59 99, you will get an annual membership along with a free t-shirt over at the phnxlocker.com. Uh, and you guys can keep the t-shirt for yourself and give the membership away and keep the membership for yourself. Give the t-shirt away and keep both for yourself. You know why? Because you, deserve it. And I want you guys to do whatever you want to do for yourself. Treat yourself this holiday season, because remember, as we get older, there's not as many people that are going to treat us uh, as well as we need to treat ourselves. So go get yourself a membership. And if you don't want the annual membership, you don't want this sweet, sweet merchandise that I'm holding up right now that you can't see because this is an audio only podcast. uh, You can still get the month to month option. You'll, You'll get your first month for just 50 cents. Go have a little taste see if you like what we have, see what we're offering over at gophnx.com. And hopefully you'll stick around and become a member for life. That's what we want from you. Uh, and of course, Jesse has some stuff coming up. Jesse had a wonderful breakdown of our, about Mark Melanson that got rave reviews. So please come check out our writings and our scribblings. We love you for it. And we'll also uh, join you in our members only discord. We'll get you our free members uh, or members only discounts over at the phnx locker and you know we'll grow this thing over at phnx together we can't do it without you and we appreciate your guys' support so much uh before i let you go i did want to give you my DraftKings kings pick of the week uh, i forgot to do this last week jesse mm. and so i am gonna on make
0: cowards parlay I'm,
1: I'm gonna make up for it by giving you two this week uh this first one is a pick of the week for thursday night football and yes jesse you're right it's another cowards parlay this one's at plus 600 it's gonna score you a little bit of coin without being too dramatically uh, uh without too much risk I am taking Najee Harris as an anytime scorer. I do not believe in Ben Roethlisberger in the cold, Uh, even if I think they have a dome stadium in Minnesota. I don't care. It's still cold. Uh, I'm going under (laughs) 249 and a half yards for Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm taking the over uh, 43 and a half points because again, it is an enclosed stadium. So the weather isn't going to impact it as much, but I don't believe <laughs> in Ben Roethlisberger, and neither should you. That's, so, a, that's
0: um, a fascinating take there, Derek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you want, I'll even, I'll, I'll even throw a, a first
1: of five points on the Vikings for you over there on that one, if you want to add that into your parlay. But remember, the more legs you add, the more money you win, so whatever you want to add to that parlay to make it even better, you can do so uh, over at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And remember, use our code, PHNS, and you will get, uh, if you're a first-time user, you will get $100 in free bets for betting just $1 on any team to score any points. Uh, And become a member over at gophnx.com, of course. We thank you guys so much for listening. We can't thank Jack enough. I will have we will have Jack back for sure because Jack is an incredible just person. such a
0: fascinating guy. Like he's a Jack fascinating guy. At he's a front office. He worked in the shoe business in Taiwan and China for like thirty years. The more you talk to Jack, the more you're just like, wow, this man is incredible.
1: The layers. he's It's the onions. He's the yes. layers of onions that, that you peel back that is Jack Summers. But we can't thank him enough for joining us. Of course, uh, again, you can get him on Twitter at ShoeWizard59. I am at Cap underscore Caveman with a K. Jesse is at Jesse and Friedman. Our show is at PHNX underscore D-backs. But of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports. And that is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, We thank you guys so much for listening. If you're listening to us right now on your favorite audio podcasting app, please subscribe to us there. Leave us a five-star review and then go over to YouTube and subscribe there and sign up for notifications so that you don't miss any of our wonderful Arizona sports content. Like Frank Sanders getting a tattoo that has caused national or not national, but a little bit of local media buzz around here. Yeah. So not not only are we giving you the news, but we're over here making the news at PHMX. So we thank you guys so much for being a part of the family. We appreciate it on behalf of Jesse and myself. We can't thank you enough for listening. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you can bet on it.